This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 206, Budgets Don't Work. We're talking low tox money again with Melissa Brown, uh, accountant slash financial planner slash author extraordinaire. There's nothing this lady doesn't know about money. Uh, she has been an extremely helpful resource this year, helping businesses and individuals navigate the ins and outs of finances during uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And uh, her new book, Budgets Don't Work, uh, but this does, is uh, just recently out. So I'm really excited to have Mel back on the show. If you missed our show, I think it was probably a couple of years ago now, I would head back and have a listen to that as well and do a bit of a finance binge listen. Uh, because whenever I speak to Mel, either personally for my own finances or um, for the show or uh, the Low Tox Method business course I run uh, for people in the health industry, uh, I just learn so much every single time and I know you guys will as well. And I think today is going to be truly reflective of the Low Tox ethos. It is not about perfection. It is not about everybody following some strict protocol. It is about finding your way in the parameters of what healthy looks like for us and the planet uh, and uh, moving forward uh, by your definition, not someone else's. And uh, Mel has articulated that so beautifully in this book. It is a must read, especially for people who've always felt like uh, money wasn't their thing or maybe finances wasn't something you were naturally gifted at or perhaps you just want to understand your habits or why you do certain things when it comes to money. Uh, you know, breaking patterns is such an important part of moving forward financially uh, in a stronger way. And so we talk about all of that today. Uh, I urge you to also take a look this month because we have two offers. And, uh, you know, as often happens, October, November, it's a time when a lot of people are thinking Christmas, they're thinking uh, gifting for the teachers at the end of the year, all sorts of time for maybe needing a few extra little bits and pieces. And so we always like to welcome an additional couple of show supporters through this time to help maximise the options that you have uh, in uh, making either your own personal swaps or finding great things for other people. And so our first supporter this week is Walida. It is wonderful to have them back for a second time this year. You have 15% off the entire Walida range and free delivery over $49.95. This does exclude gift packs and promotional items, but uh, there is plenty of goodness. Your code is nice and simple, low tox life, all one word. And this is valid not just to the end of October, but all the way through to the 8th of November. And uh, I urge you to make the most of it, have a little think about what you might want to stock up on if you're a regular Walida user. But also if you're new to the brand, uh, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm never lost for words to describe how 
uh, inspired I am by Walida as a brand because when you think about their history starting uh, just around a century ago now with uh, the brilliant philosopher, scientist um, and agriculture pioneer Dr Rudolf Steiner, um, what has happened through that time and over the decades uh, has been a fundamental holding true to the ideals of Steiner's in terms of land care, social impact for farmers, uh, and really that that biodynamic um, philosophy of it's it's not just about producing something good or yummy or effective, it's about how we leave the state of the land, how we uh, foster biodiversity on the land that we are stewards for, and how we look after all of the people in all aspects of bringing that product to life uh, rather than a lot of the things that we hear happening, you know, farmers being shafted, being given uh, very little for their uh, their wares and um, and big companies taking advantage of smallholders all around the world. Uh, that is the opposite of what happens with Walida. They are one of the uh, highest rated ethical um, land steward companies with the UEBT um, certification and uh, and so you, you think of that as something that goes above and beyond a simple organic sticker on a label uh, because as I said this is looking at absolutely every aspect of production. What I want to highlight uh, for anyone who is new to the brand is uh, a couple of my favorites. You have to try skin food. If you like a lighter form of moisturizer then it's now skin food light um, but the original skin food is rich, luscious, uh, and very, very nourishing. Great for if you get dry elbows, dry knees. Um, maybe you have dry skin in general. Um, it's wonderful for travel or extreme weather as a great barrier cream as well. And it's a beautiful makeup primer too. It gives you a beautiful rosy glow beneath uh, your makeup application. So I'm a huge fan of skin food. Also a massive fan of the um, Evening Primrose Eye Cream. Gosh, it's lovely. And a huge fan of the Walida Night Rose, um, Smoothing Rose uh, Face Cream. Those are just three that I can think of off the top of my head, but we have an exciting new product, the Pomegranate Firming Facial Oil. So even if you have been a regular with Walida for a while, I think you might like to try this one. I've been trying it for the last few days. Uh, the formula is 100% natural, uh, dermatologically tested, suitable for vegans, um, uh, free from microplastics, recyclable packaging, uh, and the ingredients are obviously sourced with uh, ethically with respect to the people and biodiversity certified by the Union for Ethical Biotrade. That's the UEBT that I spoke about just earlier. Um, and it's a gorgeous formula. So it is a facial oil, but it is definitely for all skin types. This is not a greasy, thick situation. It works for everyone, um, especially people who would like to age healthily and uh, just take, you know, I, I'm, I'm no enemy of the wrinkle, but I am a uh, campaigner for keeping wrinkles a small part of my life, shall we say, <laughs> for a little bit longer anyway, just about to hit 45. So, um, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we'd, 
we don't need to be doctoring our faces. Our culture tells us that we need to do all sorts of things to ourselves as we get older. Um, but I'm a firm believer in, oh, do you like what I did there? Firm, pomegranate firming facial oil. Firm believer in healthy aging and using beautiful high-performance products to help us get there. So if you haven't tried, well, it, chances are you haven't given it's brand new, but the firming facial oil, pomegranate firming facial oil, joining the pomegranate range in um, the Walida range, uh, is absolutely delicious. It smells so good and you can feel a really nice plumpness to the skin after applying and it sinks straight in, really hydrates on deep level. So uh, I'm loving it and it is probably going to be sticking around in my uh, face care plan for um the foreseeable future. So just a little recap there. You've got 15% off the entire Walita range this month, $49.95 orders and more also qualify for free shipping. And to kick things off this month, we have a giveaway. So I have two firming face care sets to give away that includes the new firming facial oil. And these sets are valued at $221.75. That is a shed ton of skincare to get you through the upcoming season. So um, I think it's uh, it's available for all. And the way we're going to do this is for you to leave a comment in the show notes this week. And you can always get to the show notes by um, typing into your URL, www.lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And then you'll land on our podcast page with all the podcast tiles. Click today's show with Melissa and head to the show notes comment section, leave a comment saying you would absolutely love to win this pack because I know you would. And I will be announcing the two winners next Monday. So you don't have long to, to, to enter this. Enter today and get it done so that you are in with a chance. That is winning two firming facial, one of two firming facial care sets. So that is the whole pomegranate range, including the new firming facial oil valued at over 200 bucks. Enjoy. Good luck. Get amongst it. And I will announce the winners next week. So a completely different product for our uh, second show supporter this month is Block Blue Light. And this went nuts last year when uh, uh, they joined us as a show supporter uh, because a lot of people are looking for really good quality uh, blue light blocking items. We know the research is showing us very, very clearly that with all this time on computers, with all this time on digital devices in the evenings, uh, our melatonin is being suppressed, our sleep cycles are being disturbed, and uh, it is unequivocal that if you use a lot of blue light products or have blue lighting in your home, you are going to have uh, poor health consequences stemming initially from a lack of good sleep. But then, of course, we all know that when you don't get great sleep, that sets off a cascade for a whole bunch of other stuff. So Block Blue Light, uh, this is an exciting order because uh, offer because this is global. So they ship internationally, so you don't have to just be an Aussie for this one. And I just want to mention a couple of the products in the range that I absolutely love. Number one is the Sweet Dreams Sleep Nights. So there's no blue light in these sleep lights and they give just a really gorgeous um, amber hue to the room. So it's not like the full red um, 
uh, light bulbs that kind of <laughs> make you think that maybe, oh, I wonder if that house uh, is running a little um, dodgy business on the side there. <laughs> but um, these are just a really beautiful amber, like a deep honey glow. And you can still read by this light. Um, it's what we have in our bedside lights and in our living room in the evenings. And I swear the minute we moved to these lights, you could just feel, I could feel that I got more tired earlier in the evening. I wasn't quite so wired in the evenings um, working on the computer. So I have my Flux um, app on the computer. If I'm doing some work in the evenings, I have the blue blocking light um, in our light bulb fixtures and on our bedside and everything basically just gets taken down a beautiful notch with these. So you have two different um, uh, bulb fittings so everybody can uh, get the one that um, works for your lights at home and I highly, highly recommend them. The other thing that I wanted to mention was the blue light glasses for daytime. I've got the gorgeous pearl grey um, computer glasses. They're actually marked down at the moment from 130 Australian to 89. Um, so if you're um, from the US, that, that'd probably only be about $50, $55 at the moment US. Um, they have a few different shades. I really like the pearl grey ones with this translucent blue, pink, crystal. Um, and there's also screen time fit over computer glasses. So if you wear prescription glasses, these fit really easily over the top. Um, and uh, those are the two that I just wanted to mention this week as uh, standout products in the range. And your offer is 15% off all products site-wide and again, the code LOTOXLIFE. So that makes it super easy for you to remember both offers this month. Uh, and um, I hope you enjoy making the most of the range. Uh, so, I mean, I really love the work that they do. They're very well researched uh, and they uh, share really great blogs once you're on the email list. If you've bought something and you, you get the emails, it's only once a week or something, but always really important health information, usually related to blue light and sleep quality. Uh, and I, for one, am very appreciative and um, have a ton of this stuff that I've bought, especially um, in the past couple of years as, as that science really... Um, uh, was impossible to contest. Uh, it's really important that we, you know, if you're embracing modern technology, that's fine. Um, but we also need to embrace the fact that <laughs> it's not always great for us and mitigate with a strong plan and any products that are going to help us. So Block Blue Light is there to help you. So those are the two show supporters this whole month. I hope you enjoy and make the most of those. Uh, and uh, I guess that leaves me one little mention to welcome our new Lotox Club members to the club. Uh, you can always come and join us in the club. It's only $49 a year. It's a beautiful place to be able to ask questions of like minds as well as me. I pop in there quite often and answer questions and have a chat. Um, and we often do some really cool exclusive club member things. Uh, this month, the theme is Grow Something Anything. Uh, and so you have a club dashboard, and we have an ebook every month that's just for clubbers and, uh, and uh, lift outs and print printouts to help you with a goal. Uh, last month was sleep. This month is growing something. So we're focusing on just getting a couple of plants happening um, because as a collective, if we all start to grow more plants, plant more things, 
uh, we are all doing our bit to cool the planet. It really isn't um, hard. We just have to believe we can make a difference with something so darn simple. Plus, if you're planting a food-based plant, then you get to eat it. And uh, that's always a good thing too. So, Uh, Welcome to the club, new members. Enjoy the sponsor offers this month. And now, Melissa Brown on talking about budgets and why they don't work. Enjoy. Hello, Mel. How are you? Hi, good. Nice to see you. It is so good to see you too. And I always feel like I'm going to get my ass whipped into shape. (laughs) Just that little bit more when it comes to money whenever we have a catch up and we're friends as well. But I still feel like that even when I see you socially, it's always, <laughs> it's like the good and the, oh, what's it going to be at the same time? <laughs> I love that. I'll take that. That's fine. <laughs> I thought you might like that. That's the kind of effect you have on your friends. Oh, too funny. Um, so today we are talking about your new book. I'm very excited about this uh, because it's a little different to what you've done. You've often talked about the female psyche very specifically uh, and now you're opening it up wide and grouping us as humans into these different phenotypes as you call them. We'll get into that in a little bit but can I ask you first uh, why you felt like this book needed to be written? What were you seeing out there that made you think, hold on, I need to write another book? (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, well, there was a couple of things. One is so many people that were coming and asking questions of me just wanted the seven steps. You know, can I have the, or actually, let's be honest, the three steps. Yeah. Um, Can I have the three steps to sorting out my finances? Or can you just tell me what to do? Um, Or they were frustrated because they knew what to do. They just weren't doing it. And that last one was very much a recurring theme around, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. So can you tell me exactly what to do and then I worked with a coach uh, for the last few years where I thought that I was going to work on my business and figure out why I was in a bit of a sabotage loop and I very quickly realized from working with her that we weren't necessarily going to talk about business we were going to talk about my stories Um, and my past and how I inherently behave and what's shaped me. Ooh, that's so murky, isn't it? so horrible. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) I must admit I had that realisation in my second meeting with her where I was like, oh, really? Can't you just wave your magic wand and sort this out? Yeah. And I realised that's what clients do. Do you think that's because we find it easier to have something objective that we're looking at it feels less personal and threatening if it's a thing out there like separate from us definitely give me the tool give me the thing that I can use in order to get me from A to B Mm. yeah I think that's what I, I mean it's not emotional it's pragmatic whereas what I experience personally and what I've experienced with my clients is that the transformational work the end of that sabotage loop happens when you actually do the work on yourself. And of course, then you can still create an incredible toolkit as a result, but it's hard to know what to put in your toolkit if you don't know who you are at the Mm. get-go. And that was my realisation. Yeah, this is why I love having you on the show. And it might not seem from the outset 
that money would be something we would talk about on this podcast. But as you're saying something like that, my gosh, like the parallel to our approaches to personal health are so similar. Parallel to our approach to climate change solutions, so similar. Oh, it's really easy. We just swap this industry out for that industry. Actually, no, much harder. Many more aspects of society (laughs) need to change. Yep. Kind of like someone who has a cortisol hormone problem and just can't get into their parasympathetic nervous system state, wanting to take neurotransmitter altering supplements instead of actually forming a meditation practice. Absolutely. And it's so funny you say hormones because I during COVID I had the deep pleasure of going of entering perimenopause. Yay, me too. Yeah, don't you <laughs> love it? Party time. <laughs> And I wanted the three-step plan and I worked out it's so much more complex and it's about understanding how you particularly um, manage your hormones and your physiology. And I must admit, as I was doing my research and I must admit, I dived into some of your um, historical podcasts and guests. Oh, yeah, the one with Carrie on perimenopause is fabulous. So good. Yeah. But I realised that it it all just comes back around. The, the best approaches are often the bespoke, more complex, take more time, but a longer lasting. And interestingly, once you realise that, once you've done the research, they're often quicker to see the transformative effects of. Mm, absolutely. Huge. And so um, let's talk diets then and what they have to do with <laughs> finance because it feels like, again, we've tried these prescriptive protocols. Here's your 30-day budget plan and mm-hmm. we all go on the plan and we all do really well for 30 days and yeah. then, oh, my gosh, Life. then it's almost like you binge <laughs> spend afterwards because you were so good. And this is kind of our cultural conversation that we've had milling around for so long. How do the different diets look in finance world and what are some of the ramifications or bounce backs, i.e. you put on more weight than you lost kind of stuff? And it's fascinating the words you just use for food, Um, things like I was restrictive and I was good. That is such a word that we apply to our finances. Um, And absolutely the research shows us that diets don't work and that we put on weight at least 10% more after we come off them. And it's the same for um, for budgets. They're super restrictive. They're almost calorie counting. Um, and uh, there was a research professor, Elaine Kempson, uh, from Bristol University in the UK. She first realised this when she accidentally, when she was doing research many years ago now. But for me, it just wasn't a surprise. Um, everything from the you're a spender or a saver diet through to the 50-30-20 diet, which shows where you're going, how much you're going to save and how much you're going to spend. Even if we look at that one, that seems fair. But if I'm in my 20s and if I'm only saving 20% of my income and I'm living at home, I might be thinking, oh, happy days. Whereas really, this is the worst possible financial diet for me um, or take it to a single mum trying to do that desperately feeling like she's failing financially because the most she can save is five percent so I think they set us up for failure they only work for a slim 
portion of the population. Um, and that's why I think there are so many parallels between exercise, food um, and money, where often it's instead of it being one size fits all, it's this quite complex, highly personalised approach. Yeah. And um, and then you get that whole shame and guilt story. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, that person's done so well and look, they've just put a deposit down on a house and uh -huh. I'm still here, you know, and can't even afford a weekend away. And yeah, I thought I did really well. And obviously there's something wrong with me. Uh huh. And that's yep. how the story goes. I'm not at the agent stage. I thought I should be at, um, or even conversely, I'm doing so much better than my peers because I've received an inheritance but I don't want them to feel bad. So I'm actually just going to hide it. Um, and so many stories. Oh, like Twyla in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> and then you find out at the end that she had won some $96 million won lottery. The lotto. Oh, Schitt's <laughs> Creek. There's so many parallels for life in that show. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, okay, so how? what is the safest way to move away from these diets where we... Uh, see that whole fail, success, shame, guilt paradigm? So for me, it's about, so I don't diet personally. You know, I had, um, I'm one of those people that had an eating disorder. That's how I controlled. Uh, so I was super restrictive in my 20s. So for me, any sort of restrictive diet simply doesn't work when it comes to food. Um, and I've just got a bit of a weird relationship with food. So for me, it's about not having scales in the house, but eating really well, nothing out of a packet or whole food. Um, and when it comes to my money, it's really similar. So if it's super restrictive, if I'm calorie controlling it, then I'm actually not going to do well. And I have in the past binge and, and purge with my finances, if you like, where it will be super restrictive and then I'll just spend super restrictive and then spend which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to so instead I had to learn how to spend well um, and how to set up habits that were right for me and for how I behaved um, and not to beat myself up because I'm a financial advisor and therefore I should do money well um, but to actually figure out well if I can't have scales in the house, if I can't have chocolate in the house, if I have no <laughs> self-control with all those things, mm. then when it comes to money, um, I can't have credit card. I can't have a lot of my savings in cash where I can readily access it. So setting up an environment that's actually helpful for me rather than one that is where I'm going to sabotage is actually going to work um, best for how I uniquely behave. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's that's the parallel between food and money. It's and why diets don't work and why budgets don't work. It's instead figuring out what's right for you. Okay, great. And so I assume, given <laughs> I have had a sneak peek at the book, uh, that you help us find out what might be right for us. And I'm very curious to know how you managed to put people in different buckets. Yeah, so it was really interesting because initially the book was just going to be your money type. Um, and I started to write it and it just didn't feel right. And the more I wrote uh, about it, and I'd done a lot of research into money types, 
I really felt like there is a way we inherently behave with money um, and to have these different money types would be really helpful for us to understand that. But what I knew is that there's this nurture piece because I own a preschool, Thinkers Inc. And I was really familiar with the Dunedin study from New Zealand around nature and nurture. And I just knew the same applied to our finances. So the piece for me that were missing, was missing was nurture. Um, and how that shows up uh, in money is with your money stories. Those myths and messages that you carry around with you and also your money environment. Um, so both what you grew up with, but also um, the money environment you have either curated or you have by default that you don't realise is affecting you. Mm. And then the blend of that nature and nurture is actually what helps to define what sort of financial habits are right for you and then helps you to, to curate that really bespoke money habits. And it was interesting because I've had conversations since with people where they said, despite being, say, a discerner money type, it's some things just don't sit right with them. And we've worked out it's because of their money story. It's because of the money stories that they grabbed from their parents and didn't realise they were carrying. And we really needed to unpack that, rewrite them, and then they could lean into the strengths. Wow. So it's almost like genes and... It's like genes yeah. and epigenetics. Absolutely. Yeah. So fascinating. And because we don't have scientists to follow us around and figure yeah. out <laughs> how we inherently yeah. behave, we haven't figured out the DNA for that yet. Um, that's why the four different money types and that's why the nurture and the money stories because it's, it's almost the, okay, we don't have a language for money, so this is one that we can start to develop. Mm, brilliant. And so um, something I think that's really fascinating, and I know you talk about this a lot, is the people who become sort of almost paralysed around money and develop a huge sense of stress whenever there might be something not so great happening in their, like the physical money situation. And I feel like that's a really important topic for this year because obviously a lot of people are experiencing a different financial year to the one we thought we might be having, uh, myself included, yourself included. Like uh -huh. everybody is in this boat. Um, obviously, there's a few people doing better than ever before, which is, <laughs> you know, that's always going to happen uh, because of the, the certain needs that pop up in these sorts of times. Mm. Um, but how do we, uh, how do we start to feel empowered in what would seem like a stressful money situation from the, you know, someone looking from the outside in, ooh, that doesn't look fun. Uh, good luck oh, with that. Absolutely. Which mm -hmm. so, many, so many of us are feeling anxious um, when it comes to money at the moment. Um, and even if it's as simple as, so I haven't been affected by COVID, but do I still go ahead and save for a house and do all those things? Um, or what do I do instead now that the world has changed? Um, people are really nervous about making financial decisions. And I, with our low financial literacy, that really feeds into our financial stress. Because if we just don't have that great financial literacy base anyway, then we have a level of stress anyway about money around making decisions. 
So I would answer, I would answer that in a couple of ways. So one, what I've seen during this time is that we're carrying money stories that are causing us to be stressed. So for example, um, a money story around you don't ask for help. You rely on your, you know, you, you land on your own two feet, you put on your boots, you just, you get, you get through it. Um, and if you have that money story around, I just don't ask for help and that's not okay, then you potentially won't be going to your landlord and asking for rent relief. You might not be going to your bank and asking for a mortgage pause. You certainly won't be going to your electricity company and all the things and asking for help. And instead, what I'm seeing is people ripping 10K out of their super because they'd rather do that than ask for help. And so there's, a, there's that stress around not acknowledging a money story that's actually sabotaging us and feeling like I just need to do it on my own, even if I can't. And for any um, overseas listeners, our super, when Mel talks about that, that's basically our retirement savings that we are obligated to put a certain percentage aside or the company who employs us is obligated to do that on our behalf. Um, so 401k in the US and, uh, and retirement savings elsewhere. But we in Australia have been allowed to take <laughs> out uh, up to $10,000. And tell us, Mel, what is the financial implication of such oh, a Oh, God. Well, thing? up to two, over 2 million Aussies grabbed at each time, so we could do it twice. 64% of them spent it on uh, discretionary spending. <gasps> For guys, that was online gambling, the, the number one <gasps> thing they spent. For women, it was clothes and shoes. Uh-oh. So you're buying things that simply instantly don't exist versus experiencing a five times plus return on that money and then some because of the power of compound interest. Mm. So it's, and then it's the stress, right, of realising that, of going, oh, I've just really, what have I done for my financial future? But there's also, um, there's also the stress of our money types. We behave with stress differently. So a worker is just going to put their head down and work. A discerner is going to potentially spin their wheels and suffer absolute paralysis by analysis. Um, a relator is just going to want to help everyone out without putting on their financial oxygen mask and put themselves at risk. Um, and a creator is really going to be feeling the lack of um, positivity and the deprivation and is potentially going to want to spend to get that back and to just really... Um, recreate that endorphin so depending on our types we're potentially going to deal with stress differently um, but my concern as well is that we have you know even if um, pre pre-covid we we have a level of stress but 90 percent of the time we may handle money well throw in a global freaking pandemic a large <laughs> stress event mm-hmm. <laughs> and for many of us we were going to potentially go to the basement behaviours in the words of Gallup's strength um, of ah, how gotcha. we might behave. Mm. So, you know, if we're, if we're prone to doing some spending, which um, a micro trend from COVID has been drunk spending because we're home, we're locked down and we're drinking a bit more, so we're doing a bit more sneaky spending. Um, or we might be hoarding 
because we just are so scared of what's going on in the world that we just need to gather all our resources and not spend anything. Um, so there is a lot of that going on at the moment and how I think you relax that, how you start to remove that stress is A, doing some things away from your finances around, make sure we're getting enough sleep, water, meditation, exercise, sunshine, all the things. But within our finances, it's understanding why we're behaving like that. Um, really understanding what's causing us to behave, what's driving our behaviour, and then creating a plan for that. Mm. And, of course, all of those excellent things that we bring in that don't have anything to do with our finances place us better in weathering a pandemic yeah. and a novel virus. And mm-hmm. um and spending some time away from finances improves our finances. <laughs> I know. Part of so, my financial yeah. toolkit is my mental health toolkit. And I know if I look after my mental health, I'll actually behave better with my finances. So it's understanding those sort of um, and that alignments. Absolutely. And again, it's doing that work that feels more icky, more difficult to do, harder to carve out time for. Mm -hmm. But the truth is you spend the same amount of time doing a 10-minute meditation reset as you would shopping for a new pair of shoes on (laughs) So we've all got time. It's just about how we spend it. Mm. And I'm a real fan during this time. I think a lot of people can't see. I've likened it to we're running in a marathon. We never signed up for this. certainly didn't sign up. I hate running. I hate running. Uh, (laughs) It's pouring down rain and we just don't know where we are in it. So marathon runners that I speak to and ultra trail runners, they talk about dividing it up into five kilometres. So doing sprints, you know, we might not be able to know what next year brings or what three years time is going to bring, but we know what the next 90 days are going to bring. So to move ourselves forward financially, it might be, well, what's the one thing I'm going to make sure I do in the next 90 days? And it might be understanding my financial phenotype and who I am. It might be paying off my credit card debt. That's the one thing I'm going to concentrate on, nothing else. It might be asking for help, going and asking all the different providers that I haven't up until now. Um, but it's just doing one thing in 90 day sprints because we can kind of see that far away. Um, so that way we still have that beautiful forward momentum. Mm, and it gives you a sense of empowerment and agency yeah. in, in a bigger picture sense we feel like we might have lost right now and that can make a lot of people scared, yeah. make our minds go to some pretty dark places. Mm-hmm. And it really takes you to that all or nothing all going to crap when I'm never going to be able to. Well, Um, and we can see it playing out in political, sociological, health dialogues. It's all black Mm -hmm. or white. You're in that camp, you're in this camp. There's nothing in between. And there's so much in between. There is so much in between, so much. And there's so much opportunity if we can just start to realise who we are and then set up a a financial situation that's right. And certainly um, out of this pandemic, there will be extraordinary opportunities that we can take advantage of. Mm, Absolutely. 
Um, speaking of opportunities, wish I'd bought Zoom shares. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. yeah. Just had oh, to slip in that little oh, share joke. Yeah. Or buy now, pay later. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's actually dig into these phenotypes because you've alluded to mm. them a few times now and I feel like um, it'd be great to know them better. And yeah. for anyone who hasn't picked up Mel's book yet, uh, you won't be kind of spoiling it by learning these. It's really the anecdotes in the book and the stories and the case studies that bring this to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great taster for us to all just, just to start thinking about this some more. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So phenotype in nature is the observable interplay between uh, the nature and nurture part of an organism um, and the characteristics that it develops as a result. So if I was to see you and go, okay, you've got blonde hair, you're medium height, you're um, all the things, I might be able to make some assumptions around your level of care growing up as well as uh, your DNA for eye colour, et cetera. Um, So the reason I liked that word for your finances, it's because, again, it describes the interplay between nature and nurture and how that plays out that we can observe in our finances. So for me, as I said, the nature part of that is harder to pick, harder to observe. You know, if I was to see, um, if I was to see, if you were to meet me, you might make some assumptions about me, but you're not going to know until I start potentially telling stories or you ask questions. Um, whereas you'll know instantly my um, that I have a DNA for blue eyes. Mm-hmm. So, and great taste in shoes. <laughs> that's so inherent. <laughs> nurture, I'm sure. Thanks to my gorgeous Nana back in the day. <laughs> Ragging me around to thrift shop. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, she was beautiful. Um, so the nurture, the nurture part of that, as I said, is your money stories. And they're things that we've picked up, messages we've picked up from our friends, our peers, our parents, and society in general. And what I've discovered is that some of them are helpful and some of them are harmful and some of them are just purely myth. And what we want to do is realise and recognise those money stories. But with all of these things, we always want to ask the question, is that serving me or sabotaging me? So if I um, was a bloke and my money story was that a man should always look after their partner financially. Um, So that might seem quite okay. Whereas what does that mean for a gay couple? Um, What does that mean if the female partner earns more than uh, the male partner? Does that mean that they can't ask for pay rises, that they can't talk about finances in a household? Um, And that isn't a money story that I'm seeing played out so often now where heterosexual couples particularly can't talk about money and and gay couples really are struggling with, well, what's my role um, in this relationship? Am I the provider or I expected you to be the provider? Well, why is that? Mm. (laughs) But it's because of the money stories that they carried around being cared for Mm -hmm. and providing. And a bit of Disney thrown in. And a bit of Disney. God, I love Disney. (laughs) 
So let's talk about that one because it's a really interesting time um, and there are some interesting scarcity conversations around equality. Uh, so, And you see this with race discussions, you see this with uh, women's equal pay uh, discussions, and it's almost like there are some people who understand that politically if we help people realise that they're going to get less by these other people getting more, then you will be in political favour with those people or financial favour with those people if you're a corporate, big corporate industry lobbyist. And so, but that leaves these good humans who kind of, of course, they do want equal pay and they do want their person of colour co-worker to have the same rights and same job opportunities and you know, we're all generally inherently good if we really think about it. I trust that most people have a great set of values. We just get lost most of the, some of the time. And and so how do we actually, um, just a philosophical question, I'm really interested to see what you think about this when it comes to money and equal rights. How do we start to actually trust that there's enough pie for everyone? I love that you asked that question and I think, and I talk about this in the book, I believe one of the prevalent money stories today is that there's not enough, mm. that I'm not 100%. enough. 100%. Not enough jobs for everyone, yep. not enough money for everyone, not enough citizenship mm-hmm. for everyone, you name it. There yep. is scarcity as Absolutely. like a little cancer under the, yep. under the um, general psyche. Yeah, and there's scarcity around what's available, Mm. but also scarcity around what I'm capable of. Interesting. There's there's that conversation internally around I don't believe I'm enough. So therefore, that's and if I also carry that I don't think there is enough, then that would actually cause me to really make sure that I'm being very careful of my little corner of the world. And making sure that even if I believed in equal rights and even if I believed in equal pay and all the things, I might actually still work really hard to make sure that I'm safe and protected because I don't know that I'm going to be enough in this new situation. Um, So that money story around not being enough and scarcity, um, comparison culture, all the things, I believe is causing so many of us to play small, to play safe, to be territorial. I think it's um, part of the fundamentals for nationalism, border closures, you know, all the all these things where we're talking about money, but actually mm. <laughs> the spin-off effect when it comes to money is massive. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I th- think the more we actually bravely start unpacking it, Mm-hmm. And and thinking, God, I'm exposing some real insecurities I didn't even know yeah. I had. Absolutely. Uh, the sooner we can actually start to heal and move forward productively. On yeah. This. Mm. And I talk in the book, that's certainly one of my money stories. Um, you know, I'm, and I talk about having this victim mentality um, where I used to, uh, because of a whole stack of stuff that happened to me in my past, I kind of felt like, uh, I had a reason to play small. And if something was to happen, that would be okay. It's because of that. So there was always that excuse. But also, 
If you feel that way, you also want to be very careful and controlling of your environment and what happens um, around you. And I think, and I, my concern is that whilst I experience trauma, experts are saying that simply living through COVID at the moment is traumatic and that we're experiencing trauma as a result. And I'm concerned that there's not enough and these controlling um, tendencies that kind of might have lied a little, lay a little bit softly in us are really going to rise up. Um, and so being aware of that, challenging that, and then questioning is that serving me or sabotaging me, not just financially, but throughout all of my life, I think is really, I think it's more important than ever. Mm. Thank you for talking about that. I'm genuinely curious how we move to a better place on on these issues. So uh, I really appreciate it. Um, That's really interesting that you're seeing this play out really commonly for people um, with scarcity and victim mindset. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. And it's nobody's fault either. We really have to say that, I think. And I think it's only when you start to speak that and people start to realise that they're doing that, that they can, that's when you, when you recognise something. So when you're a financial phenotype, when you recognise something, that's when you can choose to change it. If you don't recognise it, if it's just unconsciously driving you forward and you don't realise why, then there's nothing you can do about that. Mm, so, so for me, true. it's recognising yeah. it and then choosing to change it. Yeah. Great. Okay. Who else have we got? What other types have you uncovered? So the money story is one and the other twin of the nurture is your money environment. So too many of us grew up in a money environment when we were younger that we had no control of, that now we've just defaulted to a money environment as adults that is not serving us. And again, it's asking that question, is it serving or sabotaging me? So both our online life and our offline life how is that, is that contributing to my financial success or detracting from that? And one of the, again, the micro trends of COVID is digitized payments. So we're worried that COVID's sitting on notes, that we're paying buy now, pay later and credit instead. And that particular money environment is causing us to spend more. Um, and the research shows it's causing us to spend 100% more. <gasps> And you would think right now it'd be granny frugal kind of depression times where we start making stock, like two batches of stock with the same bones. Like, (laughs) Whereas interesting you said granny frugal. So my gorgeous mother-in-law read my book Mm. and she said, oh, you're right. God love her. So she started writing down what she spends and because she's always used cash, she's in her 80s, you know, cash is just, for seniors, it's just their thing. Suddenly, know, my parents had, always have cash. Always cash. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, she's been forced to use credit, and she mm. can't believe how much more she spent. Gotcha. Um, wow. So she's starting to write down. So a senior, someone who's so careful, and she's so limited with her finances, mm-hmm. she overspent um, by three times. She said when she would go to the grocery store. Wow, because she wasn't having that physical relationship with the coming yeah. and going of money. Yeah, she didn't have the insular region line up in her brain and that mm. pain function light up. So mm. she, she caused the pain by her writing it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, that's the twin for that. It's 
Again, recognising it and then creating habits. And in the book, I talk about all the things you can do yeah. um, to actually set up a better environment. Yeah. And then the money types is what you just alluded to. So they're the four. That's the, we don't have the scientists to carry around with us and we don't have the, I know you've got your mould um, machine that you can yep. take to houses. Sadly, <laughs> we can't wave that over us. And Damn it. <laughs> That'd be handy. Inherently behave, would love that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think if you ask most people, they'd say, inherently I'm a spender or inherently I'm a saver or inherently I'm bad with money. <laughs> but that's actually just a story that we've picked up that we want to change. Um, and instead, I've identified four different money types, the worker, the discerner, the relator, um, and the creator. And... It's about understanding the strengths and weaknesses of your particular money types. But then really importantly, it's creating the financial habits that are right for you and setting up boundaries almost so that you can really relax in your money type, knowing that you've set up a system to safeguard you. So for example, I'm a discerner um, and I use habit stacks a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I automate so that I'm not having to overthink and things just happen. But I use habit stacks to move me along. So one I use is every time I spend a dollar, I have to invest a dollar into shares. So oh, wow. One for one. One for one. On every aspect of your spending, whether it's Discretionary be... spending only. Okay, discretionary. Gotcha. Yeah, but it just means that... because, And I really want to be a conscious consumer and it's really easy not to. Mm. Um, and I'm a dink, so therefore I've kind of got that ability to spend unconsciously more than, say, some of a family might. Oh, double income, no kids. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> I'm a dink. Is this like some cool thing that I need to know about or is she downgrading no, herself? Sailed. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Yep. Gotcha. I'm on board. All good. So, so, so that means that sure, I can spend a dollar, but I have to instantly invest that same dollar in. So it causes me to pause, mm-hmm. causes me to ask, can I afford twice? Um, but it also looks after my future self and allows me to guilt-free spend now because I'm looking after my future self. So Do you count your one-for-one as superannuation as well? No. Okay, no. wow. Yeah, so that Go extra Mel. discretionary spending is a mm-hmm. dollar directly into shares above and beyond any other goals that I had financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And what I love about that is I'm actually really excited about this. I so know, right? That. <laughs> what I love about that is it's... Um, and I spoke to, who was it, Dr. John Demartini about this a couple of time, years ago when he was on the show. So big on uh, making sure that you are conscious of how much you're putting into depreciating versus um, appreciating assets uh, so that you're looking after your future self as well. And what I love is that that is not a deprivational um, program if you like um, or set of rules for yourself it's actually rewarding yourself now and later it's like a double the double whammy yeah and that's so and I talk about so many different habits for all the different money types and the idea is that you can grab them try them and then when they start working for you add another one so you end up with this toolkit of habits that actually get you excited because they're easy and they're natural for you 
Um, whereas someone that I'm, my guess, because you love that habit is you potentially a discerner yourself. Um, but someone else might be listening going, oh, that just sounds ridiculous. And it doesn't mean that habit's wrong. It's just not wrong right for them. And what I see a lot in relationships is money's the number one thing we fight about. We fight about it roughly twice a week. That uh, Relationships Australia um, research, but that's uh, absolutely uh, research that is mirrored around the world. And a lot of us think our partner does money wrong, whereas really they have different money stories and they have different money types. And I know that when Rod, who's my good friend, looked at the creator money type, he just went, oh, Mel, I think you've got that wrong. You might want to have a look at that. It is just, yeah, no. I went, oh, honey, it's not wrong. It's just not right for you. And interestingly, he's in a relationship with a creator and money is a source of tension because he just thinks his partner does money wrong. Uh-huh. And now they have, <laughs> I know, right, strange, wow. of course he does. Whereas now they have a language around, well, you're not doing money wrong, you're just doing it differently to me. So how can we use the strengths of our money type to make sure we both feel safe but also we're moving us forward financially and we can have a new language around it. Yeah, that's so good because then in the middle of the two different phenotypes, money stories, all the things, you then mm-hmm. have this objective yeah. set of things you can build together in the middle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Rod can say to him, right, in order for me to feel safe because you're a little bit woo-woo with your creative type and willing to rush into stuff, stuff I need maybe some property or something a safe asset here with our money tied up that you can't spend but then go nuts with this up here and actually see what you can do like I won't hold you back with that Um, and as a matter of fact I'll be your biggest cheerleader so it's making sure that we have this new way of of feeling both seen heard understood and that we're, we're able to have that forward momentum. Yeah, I love that. That's so great. And you've got so many stories like that in the book that really so bring many. everything to life. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great because then we can start to see ourselves in different ones. You go, yeah. oh, yep, that's me. There we are. <laughs> and I so, love yeah. the feedback from people saying, how do you know me so well? I'm like, no, I don't know you necessarily. I know your money type or I'm so understanding of your money story. Yeah. And I think when people feel like they've been seen and realise that, oh, okay, I'm normal. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And we all need to feel normal because then we feel a bit more motivated to uh, like analyse ourselves and then create some positive change. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's realising that there's no money type that's better or worse. Um, it's just realising the strengths and the weaknesses that are inherently there and, again, setting up great habits that are right for you. Yeah, I love that. And so important that it removes that whole, oh, you're one of those, that's bad, uh-huh. or you're one of the good ones and, you know, just like healthy food, evil food. Uh-huh. And it just, yeah, more shame and guilt. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, it removes that 
put people into two boxes. We're spenders mm-hmm. or we're savers. Actually, we're far more complex than that. Yeah. Again, um, nothing is black and white. Exactly. And mm. it, I talk about this in the book. Imagine if I went to your apartment block. Then right, everyone, don't care if you're vegan, vegetarian, intolerance, training for a marathon, male, female, uh, child, what have you. This is the food regime. This, this quantity, this percentage, this type, go. Like it just simply wouldn't work. And yet that, that's, the, um, that's how we behave financially. Mm. Oh, such a therapeutic conversation. <laughs> I, I have one more question, one more question, which is can you share some, like some sort of great story that has already come out of someone reading this book? Because it's been out for like probably about, what, three weeks now? Yeah, And I know you were telling me you'd had some incredible feedback already. Mm. Um, share a little success story or an <laughs> aha that's already impacting Well, I loved um, if I went to a conversation that I had with a client last week. Mm. So she, I mean, Rod and his partner, Eddie, are one where they just realised that, oh, we're not doing money badly. Um, But it was a couple that I was working with um, and I've been working with them for a while. And she's a social worker and he's IT. And they were having this regular debate around money because he always wants to be very pragmatic and she's social work. She always wants to be generous. And they had a nanny on a Friday. Um, And on the Thursday night, for whatever reason, they realised they didn't need her. So he instantly just wanted to cancel her, pragmatic discerner, whereas she was like, oh, no, but, you know, she's a relator. No, no, we don't want to put her out. She's probably relied on this. It's too last minute. You know, of course we have to have her come, despite her being in the house. And really, I'm, I'm... don't even potentially want to hear, but of course I'm going to support her. And rather than having an almighty fight about that, when, you know, we're in COVID, we have to be sensible with our finances, what are you doing? They were able to step back and he, he actually said, right, okay, so this is the example. You know, you are, this is your relator coming out because you just are driven to want to help. And and he's this is his discerner coming out I'm super pragmatic of course we shouldn't have her um so what they were able to do is the the pin got taken out of the fight and they were able to have a conversation around okay well now that we know that where to from here and they compromised in that instead of it being a full day it was half a day so less and so they both still felt heard understood and they had a win Instead of it becoming this almighty fight that would drag on for weeks around, you don't understand, <laughs> it actually turned it into something that, whilst not an, out, an outcome that either of them 100% wanted, they had a new language around, oh, right, this is how we can talk to each other financially. So, so for me, that was good. a massive win because if you can pull a, gren- a grenade out of a fight, about money and just turn it into a curious discussion, that for me is everything. Oh, my gosh. Not just about money, Mel, but everything right now. About everything. Yeah, so good. It feels like there are little grenades with little pins waiting to be pulled at any. And if we can move the big financial one, Mm. I mean, that's a huge one to remove. 
So good. Thank you so much for writing this book. I think it's really important, not just for people in general, but for our times that we actually use this stripped back crazy year that we're having where we're having to analyse some of the darker parts of our souls or some of the habits that don't really work for us. Um, I mean, what better thing to look at than to come out of this with a deeper understanding of who we are, what stories we've told ourselves or other people have told us, how they've impacted us and how we can move forward better financially. So thanks so much. You're so welcome. I loved having this conversation. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low-Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27, about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.